Amen, amen. Just take a, just take a minute, just look around this room right now. Uh, what we're seeing here is a direct result to answered prayer that happened in Keith and Sylvia Jerry's pink floral living room. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is a result of a small group of people who stepped out in faith and were trusting God for more. The, the, the group started out in, uh, in Brampton. It really started with, uh, with, with Keith and Sylvia and some others. And when God was putting on their heart to be trusting them for more uh, up in this area, Lindsay and I were down in Oakville, part of this thriving, growing uh, church, and, and we, were, we were being challenged to trust God uh, for more, and our paths uh, crossed, and our lives have changed, and this is here uh, as a result of God. Early days meeting at the, the Jerry household tucked into a little a subdivision. Our location has uh, changed at the cross-section of two 400 series uh, highways. Uh, the, the, the size of the gathering has, has changed. A whole lot has changed, but a lot has stayed the same. When we used to go to Keith and Sylvia's house, there was this, there was this sense of excitement back then. And, and, and coming to church today, there, there's, there's still that, that sense of excitement. And uh, I, I got to admit that when we were starting the church, uh, I felt a little scared. And I got to be honest with you today, coming to church, I, I feel a little scared today. And, and some things have, have changed, but, but really fundamentally, at the end of the day, it really hasn't changed. We are still just trusting God at each and every stage as he leads us along this journey of faith. We are trusting him for more. And something that has never changed has been a continual recognition of our desperate dependence on the Lord for prayer. And as we launch into this new series, as we launch into this capital campaign today, uh, it's vitally important that we are praying. We have a prayer meeting to kick all of this off uh, tonight here, um, uh, here at the church at 7.30. Trusting God uh, for more. You can see in your, uh, your sermon handouts, we, we wanted to, to let you know where we are at and what we are trusting God to do. I want to talk a little bit about the numbers. One of our, one of our values here at Harvest is we want to we front load information. We don't want to hold anything back. We want to be as transparent and as clear as we possibly can be. So we want to let you know what our goals are for the campaign and why. And so we are trusting God to raise $3 million over three years on top of our regular giving in order to minimize our mortgage and maximize ministry. That is our aim. And so let me show you the numbers a little bit. So the, the top graph here, this is our, this is our present uh, situation. The, the, the property that, that we are uh, in right now, the price tag on the property was $15.5 million, okay? And, and God was, was at work. We, we, we have right now $5.5 million of equity in this building. God was at work. He stirred in the hearts of a family from this church, Anonymous millionaires. I don't know if they're millionaires anymore because they gave us five. 
but stirred in their hearts. And then together with, with our parent church at Harvest Oakville, we were, we were able to get a, a down payment to, uh, together for, for this uh, facility. But we have a $10 million mortgage out right now. And our aim is to raise $3 million over the next three years so that we can really turn the tables in terms of a debt and equity. We want to have $8.5 million in equity in this building and reduce our mortgage to uh, $7 million. And this is why we're so eager to do that because uh, right now uh, we're, we're paying the bills. If you go to the next, the next graph, we're, we're, we're paying the bills, but we're paying interest on a $10 million mortgage. That's a, that's a significant amount of interest that is just going out the door every, uh, every month. And so we want to shrink what we're spending on our mortgage so that we can spend it on missions and on ministry. So right now, uh, building all of that is, is costing us about 54% of our operating budget. And ministry is 36%. And our missions right now is a, is a tie that's 10%. But fast forward three years and, and $3 million, if we're, if we're able to achieve our goal, we would be able to spend 55% of our operating budget on ministry. And, and our goal is to strengthen the ministries that we already have, to start new ministries, and to send more missionaries. That's our heart. We want to be able to take thriving ministries that we have uh, right now, and, and, and we want to be able to, uh, to, to take ministries like Awana, and youth, and men's, and women's, and young adults, and Harvest Kids, and hospitality, and outreach. We want to be able to provide those ministries with staff, and resources, and training, so that those ministries can thrive. But then we also want to be able to start new ministries. I mean, you can't walk around this building, right, and not get some ideas. I mean, you, you can't just walk past that gym and think, wouldn't that be amazing to fill that with high school kids every single night of the week with some sort of gym athletic outreach? You can't look at that children's ministry and say, we got to use that more than twice a week. I mean, a, a, a Christian, a overtly Christian a daycare, a, a, a summer day camp to service the communities that, that are around. There's so many opportunities. We want to start ministries. Amen. Amen. And so that's why we are having this capital campaign. And then we also want to be sending missionaries. We're looking forward to, to, be, to be sending uh, Pastor Marvin McCoody and his wife Kim to, to North Toronto to, to plant a church. We want that just to be the beginning. We want that just to be the first fruits of multiple church plants around the Toronto area and to the ends of the earth for God's glory. So that is where we're headed, love. That is, loved ones, that is a big goal. And we, we want to make it abundantly clear, this is about more than money. This is about who we want to be as a church. And, and so we're not just simply trusting God for more fundraising. No, we're trusting God for more faith, trusting God for more love, trusting God for more generosity, trusting God for more humility, trusting God for more glory to Him. And so that's where we're headed. And this is such a huge goal and such a huge undertaking uh, for us as a church. And it's going to require, it's going to require buy-in from the front row to the back row. This isn't just something that we're, that we're hoping just a, a handful of harvest people to get engaged with. This is something that we want our entire church family. People who were there at Keith Jerry's living room nine years ago and people who are, their first Sunday was, was last week. We, we want everyone to be involved in what God is doing here and what we're trusting him, trusting him uh, for more. And so we're going to kick off the, the series and the campaign today by thinking about what does it mean for us to trust God for more faith? 
trusting God for more faith. And I want to take us to a place in Luke chapter 17. And if you don't have a Bible, or I'll just start coming up and down the aisle right now with copies of the Bible. We're going to, we're going to come to an interaction with, with the apostles and the Lord Jesus where the apostles actually come to him and they say, we need more faith. And we're going to see how Jesus answers their requests. And as, as we are beginning this endeavor, as we are beginning this capital campaign today, I, I know I need more faith. And, and as you're hearing the, the vision and the plan unfold, you're probably thinking, wow, this is going to take a lot of faith. And so we're going to go to the place where, where the, the apostles came to Jesus and said, help us, give us more faith. Luke chapter 17 and verse 5. The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If you had faith like the grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Well, this is God's word. Let's pray that He would help us to understand it and apply it. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of your Son, we come to you by the power of your Spirit. God, I pray right now, I pray that you, that you would be with me. God, I want to be your servant. I want to be your mouthpiece. I pray that you would protect me from error. God, I pray that you would uh, protect me from pride if things go well, that you would protect me from fear and despair if they don't. God, I pray that as I preach on faith, that I would preach by faith. And God, I pray that you would be with everyone who can hear my voice right now. And Lord, you know every heart, you know every distraction, you know every burden, you know every barrier, Lord, every obstacle in the way of faith-filled obedience for every dearly loved brother and sister in this room right now. And so God, we pray in the powerful name of Jesus that you would allow us to hear your word, to hear it, to receive it with faith, and that our lives would be transformed. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 17 is really the perfect passage for us right now. We're, we're trusting God for more faith. And here is, here's, here's an interaction with, with the disciples and Jesus where they are asking Jesus for the very same thing that we need. We need faith. And here are the disciples asking for faith. And there is, a, there is a lesson even in the question. And if you're taking notes today, I want you just to, to jot this down, that, that we must acknowledge our limitations. We must acknowledge our limitations. If we're going to be a people that are trusting God for more faith, we need to understand and, and come to grips with the fact that we don't have enough. You see, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, we need an increase. We need you to give us more faith, Jesus. Now, why did they ask that question? Well, the context, look at verse 3. Jesus was talking to them. He said, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. So Jesus was talking about what it means to live in a, in a spirit-filled, Christ-centered community. That we need to be involved in one another's lives. And, and, and sometimes when we're involved in one another's lives, we need to tell each other when, we, when we've been sinned against. You see, we all have blind spots. 
and, and, and sometimes we're backing up into something. We can't even see it and we need someone to tell us, hey, 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 stop. And so Jesus is advising the disciples that we need to be careful. We need to pay attention to ourselves. And we need, to, uh, we need to let people know when they're sinning or if they're sinning against us. But then here was the real kicker in verse 4. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent. Jesus says, you must forgive him. What? That, that's incredibly difficult. For in, in one 24-hour period... For someone to turn on you, betray you, or lie to you, or belittle you, or whatever it may be, and seven different times. That, that sounds impossible. No one, can, no one can forgive, only God can forgive like that. And Jesus lays out this incredibly high standard for what it means to be his follower. And the disciples think about who they are, humanly speaking, way down here. And they recognize this huge gap. The disciples say, we don't have enough. We, we, they, they acknowledge their limitations. And I mean, this is, this is crazy. These are the apostles. I mean, if anyone had a lot of faith, it would be them, wouldn't it? I mean, they, they left their nets behind and went and followed Jesus. They were sent out with the 72. They were performing miracles themselves and preaching the gospel. But Jesus gives them this message about about forgiveness, and they say, we can't do that. Increase our faith. Jesus said almost the exact same thing, word for word, except he substituted mulberry tree for mountain, because at the base of the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples were trying so hard. There was this young boy who was oppressed by this evil spirit, and they were face to face with the evil and wickedness in the spiritual realm, and they could not combat the evil that was in front of them. And Jesus said, listen, if you had faith, just like this, he said, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you could tell this mountain to be cast into the sea. You see, in Matthew chapter 17 and in Luke chapter 17, at both instances, the disciples were being called to do something hard. A forgiveness on one hand, face to face with, with the evil demonic spiritual realm on the other. And in both instances, the disciples were, were thinking, they were at their, the, the end of themselves. They felt inadequate. They felt like they couldn't do it. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever take a good look at what, at what Jesus has to say to us about, about telling the truth and letting your yes be yes and your no be no? Do you ever think about the standard that he lays out for honesty? Do you ever really contemplate what, what the standard is for sexual purity? And, and, and to think about what's possible for you, humanly speaking. Do you ever think about roles within, within marriage and, and what you are called to do and what you feel like you can do? Do you ever feel inadequate when it comes to loving your neighbor or being a witness in your community? And do you ever feel like there is a gap between what God is saying you need to do and what you feel like you can do. Listen, if you're in that place, then you are right where God wants you. Because trusting God for more faith begins by recognizing that there's, there's I don't have enough. I don't have what it takes. I need help. 
Faith is such a, a major issue. If, if there's anything that we should be asking for more of, it's faith. Let me just give you a, just, just a quick tour about the, the significance of, of what faith is all about through the Bible. In Greek, uh, the word apisti is, is translated uh, in two ways. When it's, when it's used as a noun in Greek, we tend to translate it in English as the word faith. But when it's used as a, as a verb, pisteo, then it's translated believe. Now just think. Think about all the Bible verses you know. And how many of them have either the word faith or the word belief? If we are going to live the Christian life, we must have faith. I mean, look at, look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So here we have the, the noun faith. The verb believe, both from that same Greek root, essentially the same word. But it says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. I want more than anything in my life to please the Lord. Listen, I've spent enough time. Hands up if you've, if you've just had enough with trying to please yourself. How does that work out? Horribly, doesn't it? It's just, it's the worst. Trying to live for your own pleasure and your own desire. It leads you nowhere. And hands up if you're done with trying to please other people. That's the only thing worse than trying to please yourself. And the freedom that comes into our life when we stop trying to live to please ourselves, when we stop trying to live to please all these other people, and we just live for an audience of one and trying to please God. I mean, that is where life truly begins, but it's only possible with faith. And really the whole Christian life hinges on faith, doesn't it? I mean, you might be familiar, you might have heard of this verse before, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him or has faith in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's how the Christian life starts. But it's also how we get through the Christian life. How do we go to battle against, the, against Satan and the, the, the flesh and the temptations of the world? Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 5. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. And then Isaiah chapter 7, verse 9. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. So the disciples, they're on to something here. In asking for more faith, they're, they're understanding that, that faith is a resource that, that they need access to. And they come to Jesus and say, the way that you're telling us to forgive, we can't do it. We need faith. This little boy suffering from, from demon possession, we want to be able to help him. And so we need faith. So we must acknowledge our limitations. And Jesus gives them an answer, but it's interesting. He doesn't answer them yes or no, as he so often does. He doesn't follow up by saying, well, how much faith would you, would you like? No, he gives them this bizarre word picture of a mustard seed and a mulberry tree. And there's a purpose in him uh, talking in this way. Because although the question is an important question for ask, to ask, the question betrays that we don't really think about faith in the right way. 
So if we're going to live a life of faith, we need, we need to listen carefully to what Jesus is saying here. Because when he says, if you had faith like a grain of a mustard seed, I mean, that's not very much. What Jesus is doing here is he is adjusting our assumptions. So if, we're gonna, if we are going to trust God for more faith, we must acknowledge our limitations. And then secondly, we must adjust our assumptions. The disciples were bringing to the table some presuppositions, some things that they had already decided in their mind about what faith is and how much of it they needed. And Jesus has to sort of put the brakes on and say, I understand the heart behind the question, but the question itself betrays a misunderstanding of what faith actually is. So Jesus breaks it down to really... In the ancient Near East, he breaks it down to like what we would call the microscopic, you know, molecular level. Uh, the mustard seed, you know, in, in, the, in the, the planting of, it wasn't the absolute smallest seed at, at the time, but it, it, was, it was sort of, it was identified with smallness, with being tiny. And so, you know, I've got a curious mind. I wanted to know, well, what is a, what is a mustard seed anyway? So I went and got some. And so I've got... This is sort of like a Times New Roman 12-point font period. That's, that's what a mustard seed. I'm going to throw you, you baseball player, I'll have you catch that. Did you, did you catch it? You didn't catch it? Did you get it? No? Okay, I'll try underhand for you, okay? Underhand? No? No, like check it out. These are, it's really small. It's like really small. I'm going to put some in your hair. It's really, really small. It's small, isn't it? Yeah, it's a tiny little thing. Jesus says, that's all you need. All you need is a mustard seed's worth of faith. And in saying that, he's, he's addressing the faulty thinking that the disciples had about faith and how much faith they needed. I was exceptionally helped by New Testament scholar David Garland's definition of faith. He says, faith is not a form of magic that enables us to control nature. Faith is not the force. This isn't Star Wars. These aren't the droids you're looking for. That's, that's not what it's about. Or to get God to do our bidding. Faith is a response to God's initiative that trusts that we are empowered to do what God requires. Faith is a response to God's initiative that we are empowered to do what God requires. Jesus lays out the expectation for forgiveness. The disciples knew they couldn't do it. Faith is trusting that God will empower the disciples to be able to forgive three times, four times, six times, seven times. Beyond human capability and a capacity. That's what faith is about. You see, the, the assumption that we, think, that, that we think in terms of, of faith is that faith is something that we need to accumulate or strengthen or develop. And Jesus turns that completely on its head. He says, no, no, all, all you need is, is just a mustard seed. And see, this is how we so often think about uh, faith. We, we, 
We think about faith like this. I want God to do something, and I need faith in order for God to do my will. You might turn on the television or the radio, and you hear a preacher talk, and they're holding a Bible, but they're not teaching from it. And they say a lot about faith and word of faith. And the idea is, I want God to do something. But I need faith in order for him to do it for me. I want a Mercedes. And I'm trusting God for a Mercedes. But I need faith. And it's almost like God's up there being like, I'm not giving you a Mercedes. But then you're like, but look at all my faith. He's like, oh darn, okay, i got to give you a Mercedes. It's like we somehow, there's like this teeter-totter and we need the leverage that faith just kind of forces God's hand to do our will. That is not what faith is about. The second definition is what faith is. Not I want God to do something, but God wants me to do something. And I need faith in order to do God's will. That is totally different. When you think about the great heroes of the faith, the Hebrews of 11, sort of the, the, the hall of fame of faith. Was it Abraham's idea to move to Canaan? No. But Abraham was a man of faith because he was empowered to do what God called him to do. Was having a baby when they were senior citizens, Abraham's, it wasn't his idea. It wasn't Abraham. Having faith to get God to do what Abraham wanted. No, it was Abraham having faith that God would empower him to do what God wanted. And so when we think about faith, we need to think about what God has called us to do as parents and as children, as husbands and as wives, as, as, as servants in the church and workers at our jobs. And to think about what the standard is and then to trust that if I take steps of obedience to follow God's way, that he will empower me to do what he has called me to do. And so what is God calling you to do? What is the, the gap, the faith gap that he is, he is encouraging you to take a step of faith into? And what are you waiting for? Are you kind of hiding behind this, this question that the disciples ask? Oh, give, just give us more faith. I'm just waiting. I want to do that. I know I should do that. I know it's in the Bible to do that. I know the spirit inside me is prompting me to do that. I know that wise Christian friends are advising me to do that. But I just don't have enough faith. Okay, what will it feel like when you have enough faith? It doesn't feel like when you have enough turkey. How, what are you waiting for? How will you know? Will you just be like, I'm not doing, I'm not doing, I'm not doing, and then all of a sudden, oh yeah, I'm doing it. What are, what are you waiting for? You better not be waiting for fear to disappear. I'm so thankful for Pastor Ray Kaprowski's message uh, uh, here. And uh, he, he told me, hey, hey Ted, I'm, I'm thinking about preaching on faith and how it relates to, uh, to fear at your church. I'm like, perfect. I'm going to talk the same thing next week. We'll hit them twice. You, you can't expect fear to disappear because it's faith that pierces through the fear. 
It's, it's, it's faith is not the absence of fear. No, it's moving forward in fear's presence, despite the feelings of fear. And so we need to, we need to change our assumptions about what faith is and how much of it we need. Let me, let me show you an illustration. I've shared it before, but just think about this bridge. Okay? What would happen to you if you tried to cross this bridge with a little bit of faith? Right? What would happen to you if you tried to cross this bridge with a lot of faith? It's a crummy bridge. Faith makes no difference. Big faith, small faith, medium faith, it doesn't matter. Now, what if you tried to cross this bridge with a lot of faith? Would you get across? What if you tried to cross this bridge with a little bit of faith? Would you get across? Would you get across? Tell me, would you get across? You sure would get across. Why? Because that's a strong bridge. And even if your sweaty palm on the handrail, inch by inch, gritting your teeth, every step along the way, you still get across. Because it doesn't matter how strong your faith is, it matters how strong the thing is that you're trusting in. Amen. And so, loved ones, we are trusting God for more. We are not trusting faith for more. We don't have faith in faith. We have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is so powerful, he just needs a mustard seed. Think about it. Think about your salvation. How much faith did you have when you got saved? I became a Christian when I first heard the gospel, when I first heard the message of me being a sinner and Jesus Christ coming from heaven down to earth, living a perfect life and dying as my substitute. I don't even know if I knew all of that information, but knowing that the gift of eternal life and escape from, from the wrath of God in hell, I knew that that was being offered to me. How much faith did I have as a six-year-old at Camp Minioe in junior camp on my bunk? How much faith do you think I had back then? And think of how powerful what happened in that moment was. To rescue a sinner from the wrath of God and eternity in hell and transplant them so that they are adopted into the family of God and given the gift of eternal life, just a tiny tenth of a mustard seed. And God can save a sinner from hell and grant them eternal life. Loved ones, that's how the Christian life begins. It begins by faith. And listen, but when you start the Christian life, you don't have a whole lot of faith. Like you, You're basically just getting to know God. So it's not the quantity of faith, but the ability of God that we are focusing in on. And when we think about the ability of God, it leads to this third and final point. We must align our expectations. We must align our expectations. Jesus says, hey, just hold you want more faith? Listen, all, all the faith you need is 
a mustard seed. And then he says, here's what, here's what mustard seed-sized faith can do. If you had faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. What Jesus describes here is something that is absolutely humanly impossible. This is not something that's supposed to be literally understood. Don't go outside and start talking to trees, okay? This is a camel through the eye of a needle kind of an illustration. He's talking about something so absurd. It, this, is a, this is a mulberry tree that they grow about a 25 or 30 feet high. There's a complex root system that goes as far down as it goes up, that goes as far wide underground as it does above ground. Jesus doesn't say that you can chop down the tree and chuck it in the water. It says uprooted. I had a couple of three feet cedars in my front yard. It took me all afternoon. And it, they were not totally uprooted. I still got a couple more. I just lopped them off and, and tried to put some dirt over top and plant some grassy. Humanly speaking, to uproot a tree, those of you that are contractors, think through what it would take to transplant this tree. A couple of backhoes, a crew of men, a few cranes, and then, yes, yeah, some massive truck. Then you're going to have to get it onto a boat and then somehow figure out what planting it in the sea means. It's humanly impossible. It's absurd. And so Jesus is saying, if we are going to trust God for more faith, we must, we must align our expectations with what a God like our God can do. Because nothing is impossible with him. I love how A.W. Tozer talks about faith. He says, remember that faith is not a noble quality found only in superior men or women. It is not a virtue attainable by a limited few. It is not the ability to persuade ourselves that black is white or that something we desire will come to pass if we only wish hard enough. Faith is simply the bringing of our minds into accord with the truth. It is adjusting our expectations to the promises of God in complete assurance that the God of the whole earth cannot lie. God's word is true whether we believe it or not. God doesn't need our faith. He doesn't need our faith to do what he is calling us to do. But we can see God work in our lives and we can see our expectations change as we see him at work. And so loved ones, there's really only one application point for, for today's uh, message. And it's, 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 it's to gather back together tonight. And to, and to corporately acknowledge our, our limitations. 
That when we, we, when we think about this campaign and the goal and, and we, we, we think about our own family uh, budget and our, our own cash flow and our own assets and we think about how much, how much we, when we do the math, we, we, we got to factor in our limitations financially and then we also need to think about our limitations when it comes to faith. And then we're going we're gonna to ask that God would, would, would correct our thinking about faith so that we would think rightly about who God is and what it actually means to have faith in him. And then we're going to ask that God would, would transform and challenge our expectations. Now, some people are going to come tonight, you know, second row, first row, and they're going to be like, we're going to hit the fundraising goal. We're going to see God do incredible and awesome things. I'm, I'm, I'm talking like it's already happened. There's going to be some people who are going to come and they're going, to be, they're going to be filled with faith. Then there's going to be other people sort of wandering in around the back, not even really comfortable being here, not really sure, haven't been in a church capital fund campaign. I've never been in one either, by the way. And you're thinking, I don't really know if, if God can do this. I don't, I don't really know if I can, I can do this. Listen, it only takes a mustard seed. If you're that front row person, I already know you're going to be there. I don't need to convince you. But listen, if you're that mustard seed person, you need to come. You need to come and see what God will do with just a little bit. That's all he needs. I love how Jesus is described in Old Testament prophecy, and then he quotes it himself. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Just a tiny little bit of faith. He fans it into flame and causes it to grow. You know, one of my favorite stories in the book of Acts is the, the prayer meeting that was happening for Peter's liberation from prison. Do you love that story? I mean, they're praying their faces off. God, would you rescue him from prison? Break the chains. And little Rhoda goes to the door and it's Peter. And she's like, hey guys, Peter's at the door. And they're like, no, it's not. We're praying. Come on, come on. How much faith did they have? Obviously not a lot. How great were their expectations of what God would do? Obviously not a lot. But God answered that prayer, didn't he? Like they barely, like when, the, when the prayer was actually answered, they, they didn't have enough faith to believe that it happened. Peter was standing at the door. And yet God answered that prayer. That's the, kind, that's the kind of God is so, the kind of God that we serve is so powerful. You just give him a mustard seed. He's taken down mulberry trees and mountains by storm. This is the kind of God that we serve. This is the God that we're trusting for more. Let's bow our heads and, and, and pray together. Let's just take a moment and pack up our things and just be still. I want to join with, I want to ask you to join uh, me in, uh, in prayer right now. And so Heavenly Father, we come to you right now just acknowledging our weakness. And acknowledging that if you don't do this, then it's not going to happen. 
And so we, we come like the disciples, just recognizing that, that we, need, we need more. And I, I pray, God, that you would do a work in our church where, where we would just have a greater vision of who you are and all of your glory and majesty and beauty and all of your power. And all of your covenant faithfulness to do nothing but good to those who are called according to your name. And so God, we look to you and we love you and we want to trust you. And so God, we trust that you would increase our faith and that you would be at work in our midst, Lord. And God, we love you and we thank you that you have brought us into your kingdom and given us meaning and purpose in this life. And God, at this unique season in the life of our church, God, I pray for faith. Faith in your power, faith in your goodness, faith in your grace and your mercy and your love. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray.